This morning's reading can be found on page 1139. Romans chapter 12, verses 9 to 21. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Well, today we turn to the final of our series on Romans chapter 12, and you may find it helpful to turn to page 1139 to the passage which Jenny read to us so beautifully. Romans chapter 12, and uh, we'll be specifically looking at verses 19 through to 21. Uh, A woman known to me received a diagnosis which required immediate medical attention. Within days, she was admitted to hospital and under expert care, she had a mastectomy. It was traumatic surgery, but so thankful was she for the outcome that when she met her surgeon for her checkup, she cried with relief and appreciation and struggled to express just how grateful she was for her medical intervention. And in Romans chapter 12, these past number of weeks, we've responded to the reasonable and appropriate reaction which the forgiven sinner has to a saviour who has given radical life-saving surgery to one who previously was under a cloud of certain spiritual death. What on earth do you do in order to say thank you? to the one who has done everything for you? How on earth do you express your appreciation to the Lord Jesus who has died on a cross in order to pay the price for our rebellion and suffered intolerably in order to save us from separation from God? And Romans 12 verse 1 says, In view of God's mercy... In the light of everything that God has done for you, offer your bodies, that is, present your whole beings to God 
as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to him. This is your spiritual act of worship. No longer conform to the pattern or behavior of secular society, but live such transformed, countercultural lives that they act as potent and powerful visual aids to a skeptical and cynical world that God's way is the best way. Love from the center of who you are, verse 9, according to Eugene Peterson's The Message. Don't fake it. Run for dear life from evil. Hold on for dear life to good. Be good friends who love deeply. Practice playing second fiddle. Don't burn out. Keep yourselves fueled and aflame. Be alert servants of the master, cheerfully expectant. Don't give up in hard times. Pray all the harder. Help needy Christians. Be inventive in hospitality. Bless your enemies. No cursing under your breath. Laugh with your happy friends when they are happy. Share tears when they are down. Get along with each other. Don't be stuck up. Make friends with nobodies. Don't be the great somebody. Don't hit back. Discover beauty in everyone. If you've got it in you, get along with everybody. And then our verses for today. Don't insist on getting even. That's not for you to do. I'll do the judging, says God. I will take care of that. Our scripture tells us that if you see your enemy hungry, go and buy that person lunch. Or if he is thirsty, get him a drink. Your generosity will surprise him with goodness. Don't let evil get the best of you. Get the best of evil by doing good. So we pray. Gracious Lord, which one of us is up to such a way of living? Except since we have been dealt with mercifully, we now have a new master. Please grant us therefore the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit to be reminded of the alternative way of the cross and enable us to respond with wholehearted and appropriate gratitude for the sake of your Son, our Lord. Amen. Forgiveness for some may be a, an academic subject, but for most of us, I suspect it is a very present issue which goes to the very core of our society. There's a lot of talk at the moment about legacy and what money may or may not be made available by the government in order to help investigate the past and determine how we may look at the future. A couple of weeks ago, I, along with some of you, attended an event hosted by the Four Corners Festival at which two outstanding victims or um, survivors of the Troubles spoke with both clarity and grace. 
And after that, I got in conversation with a lady who, out of her own experience, said to me, I just can't forgive. I want to, but at this moment in time, I'm not sure I know how. And arising out of that conversation, we had a most profitable and worthwhile exchange. Likewise, I can vividly remember an encounter with a church-going person many years ago, consumed with bitterness and anger against another individual. And in their case, no inclination whatsoever of letting go and letting God enter into their context to bring about healing. The felt need to pay back is deeply seated within the human psyche. And so these words of the apostle are a sharp contrast to the natural inclination of the human heart, whether politically or personally. Do not take revenge, my friends, verse 19, but leave room for God's wrath. For as is written, it is mine to avenge. And then quoting the Old Testament book of Deuteronomy, chapter 32, it is my job to bring about justice. I will repay, says the Lord. As I was thinking about this text during the week and what it might look like in everyday life, my my mind was taken to another place in the New Testament, and this time to the tiny book of Philemon. It's so small that you would almost miss it. It immediately follows Titus and precedes Hebrews. And this personal letter is named after the person to whom Paul wrote, a Christian believer in Colossae, And uh, there was a slave called uh, Onesimus in Philemon's household who had run away. He had probably taken things with him, things that didn't belong to him. And Onesimus had fled to Rome. And there, amazingly, providentially, he had met Paul and had become a Christian. Imagine an employee of, say, Bombardier, stealing valuable components and fleeing to the United States where it just so happened he went to a Billy Graham crusade and there he heard the gospel. And when Billy Graham issued an invitation to come forward, he was first in the queue. Having been saved, what should he now do? Well, imagine the person counseling him in America saying, you must now go back to Belfast and return what you have stolen. But I'll ask Billy Graham to write a letter requesting that your boss treat you with leniency. So that's almost a parallel to what happened in the book of Philemon. Paul sends Onesimus back uh, to his owner as the law required, but he also wrote a letter appealing to Philemon not to punish Onesimus rather instead to receive him with kindness, to receive him as a brother in the Lord. Now, clearly, Philemon could easily have legitimately responded to Paul with indignation. How dare I be asked to forgive someone who not only robbed me of my property, but also of my time? But himself, having received forgiveness by Jesus, 
as someone who had been bought with a price, forgiven at the expense of Christ's shed blood, now Paul urges Philemon to deal generously with Onesimus and forgive him even as he had first been forgiven. And that is very compelling. Forgiveness is wholly unnatural, of course. Each one of us wants justice, as long as it's not against us. Each one of us naturally demands our pound of flesh when we have been hurt. But the way of Jesus is altogether different. It is supernatural. We believe in a supernatural God. If your brother offends you, go privately and point out his fault, says Jesus in Matthew 18. If he listens to you, you have gained a brother. If you forgive those who sin against you, Matthew chapter 6, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive other people their sins, your Father will not forgive you. And on the cross, as they crucified him, along with criminals, one on his right and the other on the left, Jesus said in Luke chapter 23, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. The apostle Peter puts it most graphically in his first letter. When they hurled insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. He humbly bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. In our morning family devotions this year, we are using Timothy Keller's book, The Way of Wisdom, based on the Old Testament book of Proverbs. And this past Friday, we were reading the section dealing with Proverbs 16, verse 4. The Lord works out everything to his proper end, even the wicked for a day of disaster. And this is what Keller writes, quoting Miroslav Volf. It is virtually impossible if you have been the victim of a great wrong not to pick up a weapon and try to settle the score. Unless, that is, you have a strong belief that someday God will right every wrong. And that's very compelling. Christian people do not have to seek revenge. Christian people do not even have to see justice being done. Because Christian people do not believe that this world is all that there is. Not at all. It is God's job to judge. And that is a certainty. But oddly enough, helpful though that is, that is not where the Apostle Paul concludes. He doesn't just simply finish with saying it's God's job to repay. That may well be plenty for sufficient contemplation. 
But Paul remarkably goes on even further. Now, are you ready for this? He himself chooses another way to conclude his instruction. Because this is what he says, verse 20. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals upon his head. Or as Peterson puts it, your generosity will surprise him with goodness. Just over a year ago, Claire and Ruth and I were delighted to be in Nepal, which Simone will shortly be speaking about. And while we were there, we were privileged enough to meet a group of indigenous pastors who during their lives had experienced tremendous hardship, persecution, and suffering at the hands of their families and their community and society. And we met them in a new church facility which they had built in order to accommodate their growing Christian fellowship, including a Sunday school of 200 children. And among other questions, I asked Pastor Luke was this, why is it that they had put their running water supply on the outside of their new building rather than the inside? And this is what he replied. Quoting this very verse, he said, the Bible tells us if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. And that's the way that the gospel is not simply verbalized, but is physically actualized. Don't just forgive Go out of your way to bless the very people who have damaged you. Can you take that in? And when God's people are given a challenge as great as that, channeling energies into discovering new ways to bless rather than employing energies into formulating ways to curse and get revenge then the incredible result is genuine, radical transformation. Where God's rescued people are no longer conformed to the pattern of this world, but are transformed after the mind of Christ. Forgiveness then for the person within whom God's Holy Spirit dwells is a choice of a renewed mind. It is a matter of our willingness to be obedient to Jesus. Refusing to let our hearts rule our heads, rather instead letting our renewed heads rule our hearts. Now I don't know how that impacts you or how relevant it may be in church today, but I'm quite certain it's for somebody. In fact, I am sure it is for us all. Whether the government coughs up money or not so that justice can be achieved in the next number of years, 
or whether it's a matter so personal to you, only you are aware of its impact upon your mental health and Christian development. This is God's living and active, transformational, countercultural word to each of us today. Therefore, I appeal to you, my brothers and sisters, writes Paul, I urge you, in view of God's great mercy, already seen in Jesus, when he went all the way to the cross for our salvation, offer yourselves as living sacrifices to God. Refuse to conform any longer to the norms of this broken and fractious secular society. Rather be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Do not be overcome by evil. Instead, with the enabling of the one who died, overcome evil with good. And whatever way God has spoken into our hearts this morning, Lord, may you change us, renew us, transform us into the likeness of the one who, when reviled, did not revile in return. When he suffered, did not threaten, but continued to entrust himself to him who judges justly. Will you do that work of grace in our lives, we pray? Because we come in the name of Christ. Amen. Well, we are going to come before the Lord now again in prayer. Uh, we're going to pray for a few topics this, this morning. Um, we've got that Moldova uh, prayer points guide, um, so we're going to use that to, to pray for the Moldova team in a few weeks. Uh, we're going to give thanks for Billy Graham's uh, life, and we're going to pray particularly in light of the sermon for our politicians and for our general uh, political situation here in Northern Ireland at this time. So let's pray. Our Father, who is in heaven... Hallowed be your name. Our Father, we praise you that you are a God of justice, a God who does avenge wrongs, who does right every wrong. Thank you that we can come before you this morning confident that far more than we know, you know everything that is good. You're bringing this world to a day when we will meet with the Lord Jesus and he will settle everything out. Father, we praise you too that you are a God who bears himself the penalty for our wrongdoing. Lord, you're a God of justice who comes in the person of your son to die for us. We thank you, Lord, that we can be so confident this morning of your justice because, just because your mercy and your grace is so just and true. Father, we long to see this world become the kingdom of our God and of his Christ. We long to see justice reign in all of its richness. We long that you might be all in all. And so we pray, may your kingdom come. 
Lord, wipe away our tears. Take away our hurts. Renew our bodies and enlighten our minds with your glory. We pray that the word of the gospel would run and be honored in our world. Father, as we look ahead to the team going out to Moldova, we pray for our partner church, Golgotha Church. Um, We pray that you would strengthen them. We pray that they'd be people who uh, seek to bless others around them, uh, who entrust themselves to you. We pray that uh, the visit of the team will be an encouragement to them uh, over the next uh, while. And we also want to pray for the work of the Bible College in Moldova as they train pastors from lots of surrounding Central Asian countries where there's much persecution. Please, Lord, with the kinds of truths in this passage that we've been looking at this morning, strengthen them. Would they uh, be raising up a generation of pastors who will be deeply committed to your justice and to your mercy? We pray that the funds that we uh, use to support that training would be used to bring the the gospel of your kingdom uh, to those uh, places where there's so much darkness. And Father, we pray for our church. Would we be a pillar and foundation of the truth? Help us to hold out the word of life. And so we pray for our ministers and our elders, uh, for our committee, our organizations, small groups, informal gatherings, and our whole life together. Lord, would we be people who lived with renewed minds, transformed by the gospel, so that we are visual aids of the way of Jesus uh, in our world. Father, we want to thank you this morning for the life of your servant, Billy Graham. Thank you that many of us here can testify to how you worked through him. And Father, it was interesting to learn this week that in many ways, Billy Graham's ministry was an answer to a prayer that out of Charlotte, North Carolina, the Lord would raise up someone to preach the gospel to the ends of the earth. And so, Lord, we want to echo that prayer this morning for our generation. Lord, would you out of East Belfast raise up somebody to preach the gospel to the ends of the earth? And Lord, we pray too that your will may be done here on earth in this broken world as it is in the purity of heaven. And so, Lord, we pray for our government in Whitehall and in City Hall as we see issues mounting up that needs political decisions to make them. We want to say thank you for the gift of elected governments who can be held to account for their decisions. And we pray that you'd provide us with a local government at at the Northern Ireland level that would be able to take those decisions as well. And so we ask, Father, that you'd give much wisdom to the UK and Irish governments as they consider how they can fulfill their roles as the guardians of the Good Friday Agreement over the coming weeks. But Father, we want to recognize that in many ways, because of our system, our politicians are really just following the orders of their electorates. And so, Lord, we need to pray for ourselves, the people of Northern Ireland, as political commentators and voters. Lord, please would you bring about a change in our electoral landscape. Please bring about a sense of willingness to live together, a willingness to do deals that will enable us to to live well, as a people. And so, Father, in light of what you've said to us this morning, we need to pray for ourselves in this church. Help us to be people who, who forgive, who don't nurse grudges. Lord, thank you that you're just. Help us to rest in your ju- 
justice and to do good to those who hurt us. And Father, we want to pray too this week for the families of 12 people who were killed and the 23 who were badly injured 40 years ago this week in a bomb attack on the Le Mans House restaurant in Grancher as they were taking part in the annual dinner dance of the Irish Collie Club. Father, that suddenly feels like quite a long time ago and we don't know very much about these people. But we suspect that the hurts are still very raw for many of them. And so we pray for those families as they've looked back this week on that dreadful night that they too would be able to trust in your justice and know your forgiveness for their own lives. Father, we pray that you'll give us today our daily bread. Thank you for feeding us spiritually just now. And please give us this week the physical food and the other things that we need for our journey We pray particularly this morning for those suffering from mental ill health, for those struggling with depression, uh, autism, and other uh, learning disabilities. Pray for people who are involved in caring for those folk. We pray that you'll strengthen them, provide them with all that they need. And Father, we want to pray too for people in our church family who are preparing for marriage just at the moment. Thank you for the precious gift of married life, and we pray that you'll be Uh, growing our our young couples as they look forward to their wedding days. Uh, We pray that you'll give them a realistic sense of what marriage is like, as well as a real taste, even just over the next while, of some of the joys uh, that you have in store for them. Father, we want to ask all this, asking that you forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us, even the vilest offender, and that you lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. We pray this with hunger and with hope, and so we say together, in Jesus' name, amen.